motherhood has been used to oppress and exploit women for centuries. But it doesn't have to be this way, and as mothers, we're ready for a revolution. Welcome to Rebel Mothers, the podcast that challenges the patriarchal institution of motherhood and instead reclaims mothering as an act of liberation. It's time to openly discuss how motherhood has been used to uphold systems of patriarchy, racism, and capitalism so that we can develop strategies for dismantling these institutions. We love our kids, but being a mother in a world that does not support us is disheartening and exhausting. Mothers know how important their work is, and it's time the rest of society sees the enormous potential mothering has for creating transformative social justice. I'm your host, Susie Fishleader, and together we'll embrace the revolutionary power of mothering to create a more equitable and inclusive future for ourselves and our children. Hello. So today we are going to dive deep into a common topic that resonates with a lot of mothers, and it's this journey of losing and rediscovering one's identity in the context of motherhood. It's a story that many mothers share, but it's one that society doesn't often pause to truly understand this this loss of identity as a mother. So today I'm going to cover what our identity is and how it's formed, and then why we go through such an identity shift or an identity crisis when we become mothers. And then I have some very concrete actions you can take if you are in this phase of your life. If you're one of the mothers out there stuck in this debilitating sense of, I don't feel like myself anymore, I don't have the same hobbies or friends or priorities in life, like who am I now that I'm a mom? Because I think a lot of the advice that's out there right now isn't actually all that helpful. You know, you'll Google like loss of identity in motherhood and you'll find blogs that say things like, Join a gym, start a hobby, make some friends. And leaving beside the fact that this is all obvious and who has the time and energy for any of that anyway, especially when you're a new mom, it's actually not that helpful because it's really putting the pressure on the mother herself to reclaim her identity. And it's not stepping back to see the systems that are in play that have made the mother feel like she doesn't even know who she is anymore. Because part of the deeper truth is not just that we've lost ourselves in motherhood, it's that the identity of mother isn't one that garners the same respect and appreciation, and we are struggling with the reality that we're now mothers in a society that doesn't actually value mothering. So today I want to examine the cultural systems that contribute and create this loss of identity in motherhood. Because what if we're not actually feeling a loss of identity? What if what we're feeling is a loss of validation that what we're doing is worthwhile and contributing to society? So let's start from the beginning. What is your identity? Where does it come from? It's really just the sum total of who you are and your sense of self. It's your memories, your experiences, your likes, your dislikes, uh, your relationships, your values, your hobbies. It's your appearance. It's your gender, your favorite flavor of ice cream. You get the picture. Your identity starts forming as soon as you understand yourself to be a separate human being from your own mother. Childhood and adolescence are really important periods for trying on different identities. You can experiment with new hairstyles, new friendships, sexuality, sports, activities, and so on. We spend these teenage and early adult years trying out these different identities, maybe copying friends or famous people, to see what feels right to us. But we have to acknowledge that as we're growing up and forging our identities, we're also receiving feedback about aspects of our identity from the world around us. And sometimes this feedback is positive. 
Maybe you have a natural skill for running fast, and so it feels good to run. And maybe you won an award in high school for running. So being a runner becomes part of your identity. You know, positive feedback about our identity can include compliments, inclusion and acceptance from other groups, uh, celebration of your achievements, or, you know, when society honors individuals with similar identities, that can also positively reinforce your own sense of self. But sometimes the feedback is negative. And the truth is, if there's any part of your identity that doesn't align with what Bell Hooks named as the imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist, heteropatriarchy, you're going to get more negative feedback, which starts to make you question, hide, or feel ashamed of those parts of your true self that don't line up. So negative feedback will include, you know, discrimination, body shaming, marginalization or exclusion, stereotyping, microaggressions, and more. And this feedback is really hard to ignore. You know, when you're receiving feedback about your identity, whether it's consciously spoken to you or unconsciously reflected in what you see praised in the media, that matters and it shapes the way you think about yourself. So we cannot ignore the very real fact that when I think about who I am and what my identity is, that has in some way been shaped by the society and culture around us. So why does your identity change when you become a mother? Well, obviously when we become a mother, we go through this massive transformational shift in our identity. Motherhood is really a rite of passage and it just has not been celebrated or even recognized as such. But there's this little known word out there called matrescence, which is the name for the period of transition where a person goes through pregnancy and birth or through adoption to the postnatal period and beyond. It's the transition to become a mother. And it's really similar to the developmental period of adolescence. So when a child transitions to adulthood, that's adolescence. The transitional period to motherhood is called matrescence. And the fact that matrescence still isn't well known or researched is kind of a big part of the problem. Because if we don't even recognize that the transition to motherhood is its own thing, we don't even have the language to talk about what it does to us. We, we all recognize adolescence. We know everybody goes through it. And we make so many allowances for teenagers when they're going through it because we know that they're experiencing huge hormonal shifts, major changes in friendships and relationships, abrupt and obvious physical changes. They're taking on more responsibilities and so on. And so we need to start extending the same amount of grace and compassion for new mothers because becoming a mother changes every facet of our being. I'm going to touch on a few here, but this is by no means an exhaustive list. So obviously physical changes, right? Your body does a lot of weird and gross things when you're pregnant. I remember there was one time I'd just given birth. I was, I'd had a C-section. I was nursing my, my baby. You know, he's maybe like a week or two old. And I turned to my husband and I'm crying. <laughs> and I said, my body is leaking every single fluid. I've got tears and sweat and blood and breast milk and all of these fluids coming out of my whole body. And he just kind of looked at me. He had no idea what to say. <laughs> but that's just one example, right? And obviously, we've received a lot of feedback in our society about what it means to have the correct body in our culture. There are certain beauty standards for what it means to look good. And being pregnant challenges a lot of these. You'll experience a lot of social changes, right? You might lose friends that you no longer have any contact with anymore because you're all wrapped up in your baby. Or maybe you just don't have anything in common with them anymore. 
Um, you'll start to make new friends. Some of my best friends in life I made at a breastfeeding support group that I went to with my first, you know, 13 years ago. And we're still friends through moving and job changes and multiple children and divorce and all these things. We've managed to retain that friendship. Another change that's a big one that you might experience is financial changes. Maybe you are struggling with maternity leave or the lack of paid maternity leave. Maybe you've had to step back from your career. Having a new child is very expensive and so reckoning with the cost of diapers and formula and baby clothes and all the stuff. Motherhood is a huge supporter of consumerism and so that financial burden is deeply felt by a lot of new mothers. And then another one is just your shift in values. A new mother's focus is now redirected kind of entirely toward the care and well-being of their child. And things that used to feel really important maybe don't feel that important anymore or you just don't have the time or energy you used to. I used to do these long yoga classes before I became a mother. I've been practicing yoga since I was 18 years old. I used to go to a yoga studio. You know, there'd be a lot of people there and I'd move my body and maybe I'd sit in meditation. And yoga was a huge part of my identity before I became a mother. So then when I had children, it was like, who has the time? Who, who has the time to go to yoga class anymore? I might bend my back down to touch my toes and breathe quietly while I'm waiting for my coffee to brew in the morning, but like hours on the yoga mat? No way. But that caused me a lot of distress because I felt like I had lost that part of myself. I hadn't figured out yet how to keep doing yoga as a new mom. This loss of identity encompasses all these and many more changes, but feeling this loss is more than these changes as well. Because remember how we talked about how our identity is rooted in the feedback we receive from society? Well, our patriarchal society has very clear expectations of what a good mother is supposed to be like, how a mother is supposed to behave, what she is supposed to value. And these expectations, they are impossible. They're basically, they're bananas. Patriarchal motherhood starts working on us before we're even aware of it. Girls and women are raised with the expectation that they will become a mother because under patriarchy, motherhood is expected to be the highest potential for women. You know, we were given baby dolls to nurture. If you said maybe you don't want children, you're disbelieved and you're assured, of course you want children and you'll regret it if you don't. And then once you become a mother, patriarchal motherhood says you have to prioritize the role of motherhood above all other aspects of your identity. So if being a mother is expected to be the highest potential for a woman, and it's supposed to be something that all women want, then it should by extension be the only thing that we care about once we become a mother, right? And yes, this sounds ridiculous when I say it, but I am sure that every mother listening to this podcast can think of examples of times when they were consciously or unconsciously shamed for prioritizing anything else above their child. We lose ourselves in the identity of motherhood because it's actually what's expected of us. How many mothers have gone to work or gone out with friends and they were asked, oh, who's at home with the baby? And they're re revealing a very clear expectation that it's the mother's responsibility to be at home with the baby at all times. And this happens for all mothers, this identity shift. Even mothers who desperately wanted children, who wanted the identity of mother, it's a shock to your system when that is all that you're expected to be anymore. All those other facets and elements of your personality your identity, your career, your hobbies, your pleasures, your goals, they've all been reduced to one word, mother. 
And so this is why it feels like a loss. We spend so much time invested in our children that we forget to prioritize our own needs, desires, goals, and dreams. The identity loss is usually felt pretty keenly in the early days of mothering, but it doesn't necessarily happen right away. And of course, it doesn't happen for all mothers. My own motherhood identity crisis didn't actually happen until my last baby, my third child, was around three years old, and I'd already been a mother for eight years by then. So I mentioned in my um, in the intro episode that this is when I left my career in order to follow my husband's cross-country promotion and become a stay-at-home mom for the first time in my life. And I'd, I had spent years cultivating an identity around being a successful working mother, you know, embracing my career that I loved and also having children that I loved. And when I no longer had that career, I spent a few months in a really anxious state. I felt like invisible and small, like my voice had disappeared and I was no longer making any contribution to the world. And it was so frustrating because everyone around me was giving me this lip service of, oh, but you have the most important job in the world, you know, stay strong, mama. But I didn't feel very authentic. You know, there's nothing that reflected back to me, like in movies or books or the news that actually made me feel like motherhood was the most important job in the world. And I bet you could name right now, off the top of your head, a couple of billionaires, some politicians, movie stars, celebrated athletes, people who are celebrated for their job, feel like they are respected and admired for performing the job or the role that they have been given in society. But can you name one single mother who is famous for her role as mother? I cannot and I've been studying motherhood for five years. Even Barbie, where many of us saw that movie this last summer, it was great. Barbie, one of the most famous toys of all time made specifically for girls, isn't a mother. She's been everything but a mother. I was grappling with really feeling like I had lost a part of myself when I left my career and was just a mom. And I also felt bad about complaining about it because I knew that I was privileged and lucky to be able to choose to stay home. But I missed feeling like I was part of the world, right? And I felt like everyone else was out there shaping the culture and making a life for themselves. And I was just at home cutting off the crust of sandwiches. And look, there is a lot of nuance and further discussion to be had around the value of homemaking and raising children. And have no fear, this podcast will continue to dive deep into this topic. But for the purposes of this episode, the important thing is that I just kept questioning, why do I feel like this? because I actually really do love being home with my kids. I really am grateful that I can spend time with them while they're little. So why did I go from feeling so clear about my value to the world to questioning it now that I was doing something that is actually pretty vital to the continuation of the human race? Why do I feel less valued as a mother than I did as an employee? So asking these questions is what eventually led me to study motherhood and even to create this podcast, because I finally come to terms with the fact that it's because the institution of modern motherhood is not set up to actually support mothers themselves. It's set up to support rampant consumerism, patriarchy, capitalism, religion, hyper-individualism, all these systems that shape motherhood into a box. So when we're feeling a loss of identity as a mother, it's not just because we've given up our hobbies and we spend all of our time thinking about our kids, it's because it feels like no one else out there is thinking about us as mothers. 
Now, the COVID pandemic threw this into focus for many people, right? When all the schools closed uh, in the spring of 2020, capitalism and patriarchy combined to disproportionately place the burden of caregiving, remote schooling, and household management on mothers, many of whom were unable to continue working as a result. And suddenly it became very clear that our society still predominantly expects women to be the primary caregivers. Fathers, they faced less pressure to adjust their work routines, and they were less likely to have their careers hampered by the demands of childcare. Now, of course, the experience mothers went through during the initial lockdown was not universally shared. And this too revealed you know, stark contrast and compounded difficulties based on class and race. So while some mothers were able to work remotely and adapt to the changes of caregiving and homeschooling, others, particularly in the lower paying jobs classified as essential labor, you know, they faced a much harsher reality. So women working in healthcare, retail, and service industries, they often had to choose between their livelihoods and the safety of their families. Mothers of color were even more affected by both the economic and the health aspects of the pandemic. They were more likely to hold these frontline positions. They were lacking in adequate protective measures and also more susceptible to the virus itself due to, you know, of course, systematic healthcare disparities. So hopefully it's clear now that there are much larger systems at play that shape our identity and also our experiences of motherhood. What are you supposed to do when you get to that point where you're asking yourself things like, uh, who am I now? Like, what is meaningful to me? What do I even like to do anymore? What am I here for? What do I want? What's the point of it all? Okay, when you're asking yourself these questions, this is a sign that you are probably in an identity shift. Because even past that initial phase of matrescence, once you become a mother, nearly any major transition in our mothering journey will bring on these identity shifts. You know, when your children start school, when they start high school, when they drive away in their own car, which I have not gotten to that point yet, I don't know how I'm gonna handle it, when they leave the house. But here's the beauty. This is when we get to use mothering as a springboard to living a more intentional and authentic life. This is one of the superpowers of mothering. So the second half of this podcast episode is all about what you can do to reclaim your identity when you find yourself in these questioning points. And remember, you're not regaining the identity that you had before you were a mom. You are a different person now. You're forging a new identity. So instead of trying to go back to where you were before, you're trying to figure out who this new person is. So here's some ideas that you can do when you find yourself at this point. Number one, do a values exercise. So if you just Google values exercise, you'll come up with a list of values that you can work through to get a clear idea on what is truly important to you. And if you've done this in the past, you could revisit it and maybe see what's changed and what remains the same. And then you can check in, are your actions aligned with your values? Are you living a life that actually exhibits these priorities? Because when you're really in this point of questioning your identity, having your values clearly laid out and just a list of what's actually important to you can be like a guidepost, right? When you're asking yourself, who am I now? What is important to me? Well, there you go. This is what's important to you. And your values can be, you know, universal things like honesty and family and integrity. But your values can also be things like creativity, the pursuit of knowledge, sexuality. Doing a values exercise helps you define what's important to you, helps you recreate that identity of who you are. And then you can check in to make sure that you're actually living a life 
in aligned with these values. So for example, one of my values is wellness. But there are definitely periods in my life when I'm stressed or busy or whatever that I will go through drive through. Taco Bell is my guilty pleasure. I love Taco Bell. And I will get something that's full of like fat and salt. I'll get a Coke and drink it. And if I do this over and over and over again, I have to kind of stop and be like, all right, Susie, your actions of driving through Taco Bell and getting all of this delicious, bad for you food, they're not really aligned with your value of wellness. So then you can kind of check in and see, okay, so do I need to let go of this value of wellness or do I need to do better, <laughs> right? Do I need my actions to line up? Because wellness is important to me. I do want to live a healthy, long life and be here for my grandchildren and feel good in my body. So, okay, maybe I should cut down on the Taco Bell, right? What's helpful is power of mothering itself is that it calls you to do this over and over and over again. All those transitions that I mentioned earlier or with the birth of every new child at every new progressive life stage, you can check in with your values, you can let go of what's no longer serving you, and you can embrace new directions. I used to have leisure as a top value of mine. And a while ago, I, I realized I need to drop it. Leisure is not a top value of mine. I think I always wanted to be someone who could like take a nap in a hammock on a Saturday. But I had to be honest with myself that my actions were not aligned with that. Like I would still relax. I would still, you know, read a book or play a game with my kids, have a date night with my husband. But those I did to support other values like knowledge or family or, you know, relationships, not to be leisure. So I dropped it because I realized that's no longer serving me. Thinking that I'm going to be a person who's going to embrace leisure isn't working for me anymore. Okay, so values, checking with your values. The next thing you can do is reconnect with activities that interest you without feeling like you need to bring your kids along. I get it. It's totally okay if what you like to do has been co-opted and ruined by your kids. <laughs> if you used to love to cook food, food that was complex and full of flavor, but lately you've just been eating macaroni and cheese and chicken nuggets, I totally get it because it's not worth making a delicious complex meal if no one's going to like it, right? Maybe you used to love going on hikes or connecting with nature or being outside. And so you think, oh, I'm a mom. My first priority is my children. I should bring my children on hikes with me. We should take everybody to the park. And then you hear everybody whining and they're so tired and their feet hurt. And you're like, God, sometimes kids just make everything so hard. <laughs> no wonder you don't like to do any of this stuff anymore. But the passion is still there. There's got to be something you can think of that you like to do without your children around. Can you incorporate that thing into your life again? I love finding and listening to new music. And when I was working, I had this great commute to and from my office where I could listen to new songs and make new playlists. Even in my lunchtime, I could do these things just for fun. And I didn't even realize it was a value of mine until I didn't have it anymore. And I was driving my kids everywhere and we're listening to like, I don't know, Perry Grip. And my son really likes listening to video game soundtracks, right? So I don't listen to new music anymore because I've like prioritized my children's taste in music first. So I've been trying to set aside space in my day where I get to listen to my own music, where maybe I'm just putting on my headphones and I'll tell the kids, hey, you're on your own for a little bit. Mom's got to listen to some new tunes of her own. What do you like to do? Go do it and don't feel like you need to bring anybody else along with you. 
All right, and then the third thing, lean into the fact that having children has probably woken up some fire in your soul to make the world a better place. You know, it's really maybe made you aware of some problems in society today. I've always been concerned with women's rights, but I really became a rampant feminist after I became a mom. In my coaching calls with clients, one of the areas we focus on is maternal activism. So maternal activism refers to the engagement of mothers in advocacy, right? Social or political movements to promote positive change in areas that will impact families or children. It's a form of activism that is fueled by personal experience and the desire to create a better world for yourself and your children. So what are you passionate about now? Is it climate change? Is it gun control? Putting healthy food in schools? Uh, more rights and understanding for neurodivergent kids? Something has shifted in you since you became a mom and there is something that you are passionate about. And there are communities of people out there who are fighting for change in areas that are important to you and you can go join them. Not only does this give you a purpose and connection to something that's bigger than you, it also connects you to people with shared values who might just become your friends because we all need more mom friends and it's impossible to make mom friends sitting at the park. So go join a committee. Find something out there that is worth fighting for and find other people who are fighting for it and see how you can get involved. Then the last thing I'm going to mention is getting to know and maybe even like your new body. Your body is different now and you probably have some feelings about that. All of these cultural systems, patriarchy, religion, capitalism, white supremacy, they all have something to say about what our body is supposed to look like and feel like and do. And I think motherhood forces us to pay attention to our bodies in ways we've maybe never had to before. I noticed that a lot when I was teaching prenatal yoga, that a lot of my students were totally clueless about their own bodies until they had to adjust them for being pregnant. So get to know this body that you're in right now. I started lifting weights last year when I turned 40, and it's been awesome. Like, I've never been athletic. My whole life, I've been pretty soft. I think that's why I was drawn to yoga, because I was like, oh, what? I can lie down at the end of this? This is amazing. But... It's really nice feeling stronger in this 41-year-old body that I have now. And I like it. I did push-ups the other day. Full push-ups without even my knees on the ground. So what would it take for you to get to know your body? Moving around, dancing, going for a walk, lifting weights. Maybe you need to go see a physical therapist to finally deal with various aches and pains. Maybe you need to work on some pelvic floor issues. Maybe it's just taking a shower in the morning, styling your hair, committing to washing your face every night or flossing your teeth. Right? Sometimes you could spritz on a perfume that you like or wear sparkly jewelry that makes you happy. When I have the shower, you know, that shower where everything coincides. It's hair washing day and leg shaving day and exfoliating my face day. I feel like I could take on the world. So how can you get to know and maybe even like and take care of the body that you're in? All right, to wrap this up, this process of discovering your identity in the context of motherhood is complex and nuanced and it's deeply influenced by societal norms and cultural expectations. It is not just about losing yourself in the demands of caregiving, but it's actually a profound transformation that requires navigating an intricate web of external feedback and internal desires. Reclaiming yourself in motherhood means embracing new passions, seeking out communities that are aligned with shared values, and recognizing the potential for your new role as a mother to drive positive social change. It's not about reverting to the self you were before you became a mother. Rather, it's a leveling up into a new 
an empowered version. You're breaking free from the confines of a society that has traditionally undervalued the role of mothering. And it's through this process that not only can mothers reclaim their identities, they can simultaneously reshape the narrative around motherhood itself. Stay tuned for more empowering stories and insightful discussions in future episodes of Rebel Mothers. Remember to subscribe, rate, and share this podcast to spread the message far and wide. Learn more at suzyfishleader.com. And thank you for being part of the motherhood revolution.